everybody. Welcome to the Gym Church Midweek Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name is John. I'm the engagement pastor. And across the screen from me in our respective households is Kyle Davies, the lead pastor of Generations Church. Kyle, you are repping some hunting gear. Are are you going out on on an adventure this weekend? No, I just it felt like a good just morning when we're recording this. Just 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 feel. So I I, I like it. It's it's soft. It just this is what type of mood I was in. This is the reason I do not pick out my clothes the night before because I never <laughs> know what type of mood I will wake up in the morning. I you mean, don't have to about for you. A, a, a wardrobe that that widely varies. Most people are probably accustomed. To, to the hoodie and hat look, but yes. Hoodie and hat, man. Every color on the spectrum. I, I grew up on a farm, and so grew up in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. So it's like, the, I always call it the, like the lost triangle, like the three M's. Like if you try to describe it, people aren't going to know where it's at. But yes, grew up farming community, very rural. So this, this is something I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in. All right, man, you cracked me up. Yeah, it's funny. We're back. I'm back here in my apartment this weekend. Uh, we don't have the camera set up so people can actually see. But uh, if you remember in our past ones, it is different. Hannah has continued to change the apartment. There's stuff actually on the walls now. We have a clock. We have a new lamp. Things are changing. Times are always changing, man. It's when you're when you're stuck indoors and Target and stuff finally opens up more. And so Hannah was like, "Okay, we can make a Target trip. We haven't gone in a couple months." So <laughs> it's kind of fun getting stuff to that for the house, man. Settling in, making it, yeah, man. making it your own. You got to actually do that at some point, right? Yeah. What Ruth and I realized after I think we had lived in our house a full year, and we were like, we have not hung anything up hardly on the walls, uh-huh. and mainly because of how how much we had moved in our past. So it was like, I don't hang anything up because you're gonna have to repair the, the hole. So it's like we finally after. After over a year, it was like we were able to get some stuff hung up on the wall. So, so been there, totally yeah. get it. But it's like it feels good once you start getting some stuff on the walls because it's like, oh, this this is our space. Yeah, and man, talking about times changing, we are getting near the end of our Colossians series. We are, Dude, we are uh, one more week away from the end of Colossians. Moving on from there, we'll we'll talk about that later. But Kyle, we. We got to, we're almost at the end. We're in Colossians 4, 2 through 6 this week. And it, it's interesting in here because, I mean, just in my Bible, it it kind of headers it and talks about how this is uh, Paul's further instructions. It's like his final words in which his like call to action uh, for the people. And this weekend, you brought about two things in which Paul talks about here. He talks about prayer and he talks about outsiders. So Kyle, in this whole culmination of what we've been talking about in Colossians, all the way since back in October, the three different series, known, substance, embodied, how have, how has Paul gotten to this point of prayer and care for outsiders in what we've been talking about so far? Well, I, I've tried to say this every single week is it's, it's Paul always starts with, it's, it's knowing Jesus and and Jesus making himself known to you and then you being in relationship with him and that relationship shows up in a couple different ways uh, whether it's through spending time with him through bible reading 
and working with the Holy Spirit, relying on him throughout throughout the day, but it's being in Christian community. But, but prayer is one of those foundational ways where we express our relationship to, to Jesus. And so the, the, the flow is very natural because as you are transformed internally through your relationship with Jesus, through who God has said you are through faith in Jesus, you then begin to express that outwardly. And so we've looked at that initially in the first part of the Embodied series. Where, what is some of that outward expression, how that transforms relationships, how it transforms the household? But now Paul even goes beyond that and says, okay, we've looked at the church, we've looked at the household. Let's look to those who are outside the mm-hmm. family of God and says that, that your relationship with Jesus really should be evident in prayer and then shows up in your relationship with those who who are outside the family of God. And I know that can be a dicey thing to talk about in today's world, saying that there are those who are in the family of God, and then there are outsiders, that there is a clear dividing line. We we like to throw the word inclusivity uh, around, and we want to be all-inclusive. And so, I mean, mean, God's family is inclusive in the sense that all are welcome and wanted. Uh, People's story matters. We want them to be connected to God, but there is a clear distinction between those who are connected to God through faith in Jesus and those who aren't. Uh, we're not sitting on the judgment seat in terms of we can walk around and visually see others and say, yep, they're in, they're, they're not in, they're in, they're not in. Uh, that God's the one who sees the heart, but ultimately uh, there is there is a distinction and God sees that. He sees those who are united to him through faith in Jesus and those who mm-hmm. aren't. And so Paul gets to this and says, you've been transformed by the good news that Jesus is, is the Messiah. He's, he's the Savior. And that should be evident to those outside who, who don't subscribe to that, that worldview and that way of thinking. Yeah. And so you mentioned a, a couple of different examples in talking about this. So you talked about the Abrahamic covenant. You talked about Paul's mission to the Gentiles. So let's Let's start all the way, kind of a little bit back in the beginning, back in Genesis. What uh, what were you wanting to bring about in talking about the Abrahamic covenant to kind of further this point of what you were talking about? God always works through people. And that's the kind of the point of the embodied series is, is we are Christ's body here on earth while he's, he's ascended uh, to God um, in heaven on the throne. And so... Being Christ's body, being his representative here on earth, um, we're to be, again, and that example, that that proclamation of right living to, to others. When we go back to the, the Abrahamic covenant, God chose back in Genesis to work through one man, work through one family to communicate who he is to the rest of the world. So I think sometimes we, when we think about who God is and what, what he has done is people are like, well, why doesn't God just show up, you know, kind of in a, in a big light, you know, and, and reveal himself to everyone. And again, God reveals himself in nature, but God has always chosen to work through people. Uh, God has always chosen to work through um, different individuals, uh, different groups and different families. And so ultimately when we go back to Genesis chapter 12, God says, Hey, uh, I'm going to use you, Abraham, to expand my family, to be my representative 
uh, of to, to, to the world. So much so that, that the people who bless you uh, will receive blessing to know that, that we're in the right relationship. Those who curse you uh, will, will be cursed. But, but ultimately, God says, through Abraham's family, all of the nations on the earth, all the people groups on the earth will have access to God. And so we see that trace throughout the Old Testament scripture because, again, just as I say there's a dividing line between, between the, 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 the world, those who are outside uh, the church and, and, and the church, there are those who, there are those who um, because of sin, uh, were separated from God. So, the, so those who, who are distant, who could not be united to God, but God said, hey, Abraham, because of your righteousness, because of your faith, uh, I'm going to use you so that others who are who are outside, who are distanced, who are alienated, is a word that Paul has used earlier in Colossians, can be brought into right understanding of of who I am, and that that works throughout the Old Testament. Well, we see God give him his people uh, a a mosaic covenant, basically a right way to live. We see we see a, a covenant with with David that says, "Hey." All these these earthly kings and rulers are jacked up, like they, they don't rule rightly. Like I'm going to send a ruler who's going to rule rightly, um, and so you just see this progression throughout the Old Testament that ultimately leads to Jesus, and Jesus is the perfect prophet, priest, and king who then lays down his life on our behalf so that we can be reunited to God. That we are no no longer have to be alienated uh, from God, but the reason. Again, I, I bring up that Abrahamic covenant. It was always God's plan to bring all the people, uh, different backgrounds, ethnicities, yeah. into fellowship, union with him. But he does it through a, an individual in Abraham. And now he does that through Jesus. And it's perfectly expressed through the church. I, I probably shouldn't say perfectly expressed. I probably should say imperfectly expressed because we don't always do a great job, just like Abraham didn't always do a great job of being the blessing to the nations that God had that God had intended. Like like again, the, the human element here of like we do what's right in our own eyes rather than what's right in God's eyes. Yeah. And therefore we don't always accurately dis- display who God is to others. And so it's yeah. important to see that train of thought because this Abrahamic covenant is the quote unquote, the Jews that then we see in the new Testament scripture. We, we see Jesus came as a, as a Jew underneath the, the Jewish system of law. Yeah. And what Paul's unique mission, I mentioned that is, is Paul's desire is to say those who are Gentiles, those who would have before had to first become a Jew to have union with God, Paul is now saying, no, you don't have to become a Jew. You just have to put your faith in Jesus because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant of the, of the law of Moses. He's that perfect prophet, priest and King. And so, Hey, you have access to God and you no longer have to offer sacrifices in the temple, uh, in Israel. You just have to put your faith in Jesus. Who's a perfect sacrifice. Um, yeah. all. Yeah, we see that perfectly done in who Jesus is and how he lived that out. I mean, Jesus, one of the things that I, I think sometimes we neglect and we kind of forget is Jesus being fully man, fully God, went off by himself multiple occasions to pray. 
There's many times the disciples are looking around. They're like, where's Jesus? And Jesus has gone up to spend time in conversation, in relationship with God, the father. And it's funny because we're like, Jesus is fully God. Like, doesn't he always have like just a, um, like a little earpiece that's always talking to God, but no, like he intentionally took time to go and he would have conversations with God. You see him be raw with his emotions when he's in the garden. Like Jesus is authentic in having this relationship with God through prayer. And he wants us to model that. And also on the other side, we see the people in which Jesus spent his time with, Mm. he spent his time with the outsiders. Mm. I mean, you could talk about the, the ragtag group of disciples in which he had, um, going to Matthew, who's a tax collector and despised by people going to him, Jesus intentionally going to the Samaritans and having a conversation with a lady at a well. Jesus intentionally did these things in which weren't common. These were people that Jewish people often um, avoided, overlooked, saw as lower than themselves. And these are the people Jesus spent his time with. He went to the outsiders, those who weren't in the, what we talked about earlier, in that interior crew, uh, the group, the people that are already following. He went to those who weren't to care and love and to share with them. So as we talk about that and we talk briefly kind of about the the Jews and the Gentiles, what is, what do you see in Paul, like from the other writings in which we see, and we know about Paul, how is that kind of carried into this, this underlying theme of the gospel going beyond the Jews and to the Gentiles as well? So Paul wants to make sure that those who are on, again, are on the outside have access. And just like you described in Jesus, Jesus eliminates man-made boundary lines and redraws um, lines that are consistent with 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 God's depiction of of what of what the right lines are. Yeah. And so sometimes we we draw boundary lines uh, based on group or socioeconomic status, or we we draw all these different lines that that have been ingrained and in, and in part of a culture. And what Jesus, and then in effect, what Paul does is he says, no, the lines aren't where you think they are. The line is, is in faith in Jesus. And so you don't have to do all of these other things to, to be part of this in group. And in fact, those sometimes who, who are looked at as the outsiders or the out group are actually the ones who, who, who are in part of, part of the insiders. And so because they have a better understanding of who Jesus is and what he is about. And so Paul has this conviction to go to places where, again, there were people who, who believed all kinds of different things, who believed in all kinds of different gods, who lived a totally different lifestyle. And, and there, were, there, there were Jews there also, because the Jews have been dispersed all over the, the ancient world by, by this point, by, by the time we see Paul. And what he's trying to say is, guys, the fulfillment of all the prophecies, the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, like the person that we've been waiting for came, is is here, yeah. and he's ushered in a, a new way of living to basically encouraging people, and even the Jews, like they don't have to go to their synagogues. They don't have to traverse to the temple to continue to offer sacrifices to be forgiven. Actually, it's it's through the perfect sacrifice. Jesus and so Paul he discusses this with the different philosophies and worldviews of his age and he says listen 
all of these all of these things are going to be lesser uh you subscribe to to a, a worldview where it's where it's either honor shame or even even fear power from these these otherworldly powers that that you feel have control over your life and it's like hey actually like there's one lord that's jesus everything's subject to him so you don't you don't have to live in fear and so paul in his intentional pursuit to go to these different cities throughout the ancient empire and say the way in which you view the world is actually all can be rightly understood through Jesus. And so as we think about when Paul talks about the words and the way in which people respond to others, to those who, who may not have a, have a right understanding or, or a viewpoint of the world that's contrary to what, what you would have, Paul's saying, hey, some of the saltiness, some of the graciousness that can pre- is, it will be present in your conversation will help people rightly filter through the world. It'll help them better understand the world and understand it through the lens of Jesus, which again, I think just on a heart level, people want to right now see see the world change, see the world uh, made a better place. They, they, they're identifying things in our culture right now. We're saying, well, we're not sure if that's right, but when we attempt to make it into what we think is right, we settle for a lesser version, and ultimately, um, we'll just continue to perpetuate uh, the problems. And maybe they show up in a different way. But ultimately, our mission must mirror that of Paul's in saying, "Guys, there there is a right way to understand the world, mm. and that first filters through Jesus." And I and and it doesn't eliminate your uniqueness. It doesn't eliminate your background. It doesn't eliminate your story. Yeah. And we're not even always going to agree on the practical applications, but the first premise that we've got to help people understand is that the best way in the, the, the to to understand the world in which we live in has to come through Jesus first. And I know there are those who are going to be watching this and saying, "Oh yeah, Kyle, you're you're a Christian, like you're a follower of Jesus. Of course, you'll say that." And my, my the way I I push back and I would echo the words of a dear friend and brother, uh, Derek Thompson, who he'd, he'd go, man, so like, how's that working for you? Like, are, are you, and in effect, are you accomplishing what you hoped you accomplished with your vision for the world? Or are you just continuing to bump up um, against frustration and challenge that never, that never produces a lasting change? And so sometimes we've got to first shift our perspective and our perspective gets shifted through prayer, through union with Jesus, that then enables us to identify issues in our world and say, guys, this can be better understood or rightly understood through Jesus. And our tone matters in those conversations. And that's why Paul says, hey, it's got to, it's got to be gracious. Um, because if, if all we're trying to do is beat people over the head with a Bible, yeah. uh, that, that that's not going to be effective. We've got to be able to articulate a level of, uh, we, we've got to be able to articulate where the disconnects are and yeah. really say how, what people are hoping for is rightly fulfilled in Jesus and they don't have to set or settle for a lesser version. And in that, again, tone matters. 
So let's kind of circle around on two different things uh, in which Paul brings up and you brought up, because uh, this weekend you kind of, I felt like your main kind of point out of this, your kind of takeaway, it was kind of a two-sided thing, that prayer leads to passion for outsiders, mm-hmm. and passion for outsiders prioritizes the gracious good news of Jesus. So we have to kind of begin there at the beginning in this conversation of prayer. For you, what have you found um, maybe to be the most helpful thing in um, just in your prayer life? I know this weekend you kind of talked about just taking prayer requests and putting something up on the fridge. Is that um, have you? Is that what you find success in and more uh, kind of help in doing some of that? Or is there something else you usually go to? Because prayer can be kind of pushed off to the side. I recommended that because it would get it would get it back in front of people. It, yeah. it, it takes it it takes it out of the periphery, out of the margins of life, and puts it to the forefront because likely you're visiting the fridge a couple times a day, <laughs> or, you know, or you're pulling up your phone. So so it's it's gonna get there in front of your face. Personally, for me, again, I, I've got a journal, um, and so I have like pages in the back here. That's I'm showing the blank page. I need to show this page, but uh, I I. I I write prayer requests down and then I, and then I check them off when that it's been an answered prayer and, and I write the date. And so again, I've, I've got several prayer requests on here and some of them have yet to be answered, but I can, in moments where it's like, man, God, why, why aren't you answering this prayer? Like what's there? I can also go back and I can look at God's faithfulness and past times that he's answered and say, man, I remember when I wrote that first prayer request down. And it was several months before I saw that answered. Um, and, I, and I'm going to be honest, there's probably things that I've got written down in here in terms of prayer, prayer requests that in my lifetime, I may never see an answer for. Yeah. But what I found is when I'm praying for something, it, again, it brings it to the top of my mind, but it also jogs my mind when I'm in conversation with people, maybe who, who, who I'm praying for, or I'm praying about, especially when I, when I've got names of people who aren't followers of Jesus written down in here. And I've got, and I've got them listed and saying, I want to see them come to faith in Jesus. So then when I'm in conversation, because I'm praying for them, I'm, I'm able to be a little more in tune and say, is there an opportunity for me to introduce? Yeah. The, the gospel in some way. So again, I, I said that in Sunday's teaching, the, the best way to do it is I think a couple, maybe general prayer requests, put them on the fridge, write a couple down, put them on the, on, you know, on the back of your, on the back of your phone and then, or, or use a journal. Mm, I like that. I was, uh, one thing that I kind of picked up from one of my classes last semester was uh, as weird and kind of rigorous as like this can sound is putting it in a schedule for myself. Mm-hmm. So literally scheduling out time in the morning where it's, it's prayer because I, I was reading a book and at the end it started talking about some of the practical application of prayer. And this guy was talking about when he went to um, kind of went to a seminar, was teaching one time. He asked the room, he said, how many of you um, use a calendar for uh, your day? Majority nine out of 10 hands go up. He goes, how many of you use like your phone uh, use your wife and like you keep a schedule of everything else in what you do. And then he asks, how many of you schedule out prayer and maybe 20% of the room raised their hands. And it came back to people kind of talking about like, if we put it on a schedule, like 
when we put tasks on a schedule and we forget to do it, like it's a big deal. Like we, like we see some of, we have some of that guilt that comes along with it. But when we uh, don't put prayer on a schedule and we just kind of get to it, when we get to it, it's almost just kind of this thing in the back of our mind, like I'll, I'll get to it at some point and it doesn't prioritize it. And that's been something that's been helpful for me is not realizing that it's a thing that I'm going to force myself to do, but I willingly choose to do and set it as a discipline for myself. Of, dude, I'm going to spend 15, 20 minutes of morning just in prayer because I want to build that relationship. Relationships don't grow unless you spend time with the other party. And setting out and just scheduling some of that time has been super crucial and helpful. And it's, it's a similar way of what you're talking about, of putting it in front of you. My calendar is always in front of me and always alerting me, okay, what's the next thing I got to do, got to go to, got to be a part of. And doing that puts God prioritized first thing in the morning. And it's tangibly on my calendar like, okay, yeah, I, I, I cleared everything else out so I can do this. Let's go and spend time here. What I found, even like I, I mentioned in Sunday's teaching, is I really think it's it's also identifying like when there's been answered prayers. Because if all you're doing is is identifying and looking at prayer requests that have yet to be answered, yeah. you can get very discouraged. And so yeah. I think part part of why Paul says guard your prayer and Thanksgiving is because you you want in your prayers that you want to offer. God, you have been faithful. Like you have shown up. And so I'm going to continue to bring these things. Uh, to you and make these asks of you because I know who you are. I know how you've been faithful in the yeah. past. And we we need those reminders of not just to pray, but of when God has answered uh, prayers in, in the past. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I heard someone kind of talk about um, a different way of praying because I've run up against this of trying to do a list of prayer requests of every day feeling like I have to get through all of them of like, dude, I have 50 things in the back of my notebook. Now I have to get through them all. And I heard someone, you're a list guy. It's because you're um, a list guy. You don't have to do them all every day. Oh, I know. But it's this subconscious thing that's in the back of my mind. And so I heard someone talk about doing prayer requests almost on note cards. And so on a note card, you write the name and then you just keep writing like kind of updates like, hey, I'm praying for this for this person. And then like, as I go through it, like maybe three, four weeks later, I have an update of, hey, this changed, or I saw God grow here, or I need to add this here. And every day he, he had a list of uh, prayer cards and he would do five to 10 a day hmm. and then would just cycle through them to kind of get past some of that. And um, trying something like that has been helpful. It still trying to figure out what's the best way to go through that, even for myself personally, but it, you know, it's semantics and some of those things, but putting some of those out there is, is super helpful. Yeah. Um, and we, we want that to be helpful. So maybe you're listening to this or you're watching this and you're like, man, I've never been devoted to prayer. I've never made that a priority. Yeah. Take one or two of these ideas and just, just try it for a season. And yeah. here's the other thing is when you try it, tell someone else that you're trying it so that they can ask you about it. So, yeah. so that's part of the process too, is sometimes we do this in isolation and we really need to be doing this in community. And yeah. so um, at any point in time, if you're like, hey, like, how's how's prayer going? How, how you know, what what are you writing down in the back of your journal, man? I, I'm happy to, to share and talk about that and also ask you the same thing. Uh, if this is something you want to want one, want to get better at and want to uh, 
improve uh, in your followership of Jesus. And again, it's it's a loving accountability. It says, hey, we're, we're in this together. But when we ask each other about the spiritual disciplines and we talk about the spiritual things in our life, yeah. I have found that it actually then helps us talk about our faith with yeah. those who are outsiders, which I know is the, the part two of all the, of all this is that we get to conversation with with others and talking about our faith. And so when we can talk about just some of the prayer and things that we're doing, then it comes much more natural to to then share what God is doing in our life with others. If even just with other believers, we're comfortable about talking about what God is doing and what we're praying for. That's a big part of it is just regularly, like even just with believers and your friends and um, whoever's in your house, just having those conversations and just asking people like, Hey, what's God teaching you right now? What are you going through? Like, what are you processing, thinking through? Like, what are you praying for? Like, those are, those are great kind of starter conversations Mm -hmm. that just keep some of that at the forefront. Cause Kyle, uh, it's kind of funny. We get to this. I don't know if you intentionally did this, but we just wrapped up a video series, how to talk about your faith. I'm not sure if you planned that or if it just kind of fell down and you're like, man, God works in really funny ways. Um, but I know you kind of went through that series. And so uh, I, I want to pitch out a question about that. Uh, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, go to our YouTube channel, our website, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen or watch or whatever. And we have a, what is it, seven part? Seven part series. Seven part series. How to talk about your faith and not be awkward because a lot of us can be awkward and, you know, a little little weird about talking about our faith and sharing and having spiritual conversations with those who aren't Christians. So Kyle, as you went through that series, um, what is something you took away from it? Maybe it was a conversation you had because of it. And someone was like, man, I struggle with this, or I really found this insightful and helpful, or maybe there's something that hit you and you're like, man, this was, this was something that helped me even processing as you wrote out this series. Well, I think really that the first half of the series is all is all pre-conversation mm. um and just remembering that uh, a lot of what what is in you will come out yes and so if you're in that relationship with god that's why we again talk about prayer shows up in, in conversations and, and acting wisely towards outsiders yeah is, is is your faith your relationship with jesus will lead you to opportunities to to share your faith uh, yep. with others. And then I, and I think the, the, the one thing that I was like, man, I, I want to make sure that I hit in this series is we can use a lot of empty language when we talk about our faith that doesn't, doesn't pack a lot of punch, uh, or we feel like we have to use a certain set of words or verbiage hmm. and really encourage people to say, share real change and not church slang. And again, that's, that is going to require you to be walking with, with Jesus or be in Christian community and be aware of how God is changing you. Change is part of following Jesus. We, we will be changed into more like Jesus. And so being able to identify that and share that with others is a huge part. The one piece of the series that if I went back, and maybe I'll still do this in a bonus episode or something, 
is is the listening piece in mm-hmm. other conversations. So yeah. so I think this is probably the what people struggle with is like so when do I introduce when do I introduce this? So you've given me pre-work, you've yeah. given me some things to say. Yeah. What's what's that what's that timing? And I did a little bit, but let me just run through a couple questions where I think we have the opportunity to to introduce Jesus and the gospel into conversations or point people to to a a more I should just probably just just the solution or the to the longing of their souls. So here's what I would encourage people to listen for is listen for who or what does a someone credit or blame for who they are today or the situation they find themselves in. Listen for why are things and people not the way they are supposed to be and who is to blame. Listen for who or what will rescue them and redeem what is broken in their life. Listen for what uh, will the world or their circumstances look like when all is is as it should be according to them and who or what will be the focus of this world. And when you listen to to kind of the who or the what, you know, Mm -hmm. Go, go back to the narrative of scripture, you know, the, the origin story, what's broken, what's going to fix it, and what's the future, what's the future hold. So listen to the pieces and parts in conversation for those aspects. And if you understand that, that who, who God is and what he has done and what creation was supposed to be like, why things are broken, and we can point rightly to sin, then we can point to Jesus as the solution and how the world looks better when we follow Jesus yep. um, and what that looks like. We're, we're, we're able to, to help people see why our followership of Jesus has generated change in our own life and can generate true and lasting change in their life. And they can go back and they can look at maybe their origin story or when things fell apart and say, you know what? People do this all the time is they go, man, I went through terrible or difficult circumstances. But I'm able to share how that experience grew me, how it changed me, and that story can then help others who are in that same story. And in the same way, we can adopt some of that perspective in our conversations with others, which is why Paul says we, we need to be gracious and have our words seasoned with salt because no one is too far gone. So when we when we aren't gracious and charitable in our conversations, uh, we essentially create barriers mm. that that don't that don't need to, that don't need to be there. And yeah. so our our world our words that when they're gracious, seasoned with questions and opportunities to share the gospel, we will then be able to see um, some change in those outsiders. In effect, be united with Jesus. I I think that's really well said. And I um, in just kind of this conversation about. Um, talking about our faith, having spiritual conversations, and some of this um, little church word that we throw around, evangelism, of having conversations with non-believers, those who are outside of the church, outside of the family, of what it looks like to have those conversations. I think one of the just kind of reoccurring things that I always hear, and there's even some studies that go along with it. I enjoy generational studies, yes. Um, Even identifying that... um, while like almost every generation agrees 
that part of our faith means to be a witness about Jesus, that we want to witness and for those around us um, who Jesus is, what he's done for us. So the way in which we speak, the way in which we act, the way in which we live is to represent and embody who Jesus is so that others around the world can begin to see that the outsiders will begin to understand that. I think the thing that we see in our culture and the change that comes along with that, maybe it's the barrier, the struggle for people to kind of have the hurdle and what they struggle with is, and Kyle, you might be able to kind of help me uh, word this, is more of the difference between having a conversation and trying to change someone's viewpoint and having a conversation and sharing who Jesus is. At, at some point, like we do want people to come to know Jesus, but is it a conversation in which it's like in this one conversation right here, right now, I don't know if that person goes to church and I'm going to try and make them go to church. Or is it the, Hey, I like, this is what I believe. Like, how do you kind of deal with that balance? Cause one of the things you, you'll see that gets thrown around is that millennials um, often are kind of categorized in this because of almost about 50% of them um, struggle and disagree with like evangelism in the sense of I'm going to share this to try and change someone's viewpoint. It's the idea of I like when I have a conversation with someone, I don't want to forcibly change their viewpoint. They agree that there needs to be a comp like to have spiritual conversations and to talk about Jesus and be a witness. And it's even funny because what you'll see is uh, non-Christian millennials are twice as more likely than any other generation to have a spiritual conversation, to have a one-on-one -on -one oh, this is what you believe, like, hey, like, this is what I, and like, they're willing to have those conversations. It's not that they're anti-religion, anti-spiritual stuff, like, they're willing to have conversations, and yet what you see is the millennials in the church struggle with maybe seeing the important, I don't know if it's the importance of it, or if it's the, man, like, having this conversation and forcing my opinion upon someone. So just to be very direct in response to that is, yes, you have to be willing to put yourself out there and call for a response. You've got to be able to call for a response. You've got to be able to make a call to action. You've got to be willing to say, my desire for this person that I'm talking to is to come into a saving faith relationship with Jesus. And so you've got to have a conviction and a desire to, to, I know we don't like this word and this is some of where this is all is, is to convert the other. Yeah. But our presentation does matter yeah. so that our tone, our graciousness, our, our attitude in the yep. midst of all of this really, really does, really does matter. And at the, at the core, it's like, it doesn't matter what we say to some extent, it doesn't matter necessarily the, the always having the right timing or the, or the right words, yep. but it, but it's God that will change the heart in the mind of the individual. Like you can be super, super persuasive and have that like gotcha moment. Like now you're going to believe And at the end of the day, the, this may not be the, the time for that, that person. They may not be ready yet. And here, here's, but here's still the, the point is you've got to be able to share. You've got to be able to talk about your faith and present that yeah. and connect the dots to change in your life 
and show how you responded to it and invite that person to respond as well. And I think some of the, the piece of evangelism that, that really rubs up against a lot of millennials is because they, they don't want to, they don't want to force it on someone. Yeah. They never do ask for a response yeah. and because they're feeling like the call to action or the response call your call for a response is yeah. forcing it. And if you just frame it up as saying, remember, you're inviting someone to experience the same change that you've experienced. Yeah. That, that, that starts the journey. And so, uh, there it's uh, the analogy that I like to use is, is CPR cultivate the relationship. You plant seeds of that, that where you introduce spiritual content into the conversation. But at some point you've got to hit the R you've got to hit the, the spiritual resuscitation call for response and say, do you want to go on this journey? Do you want to follow Jesus? Would you want to come to my church to learn more? Would you want to read the Bible with me periodically, uh, regularly so that you can understand this better? Yeah. And again, that that's all in the confines of relationship. And it's a relational connection. It's a relational process. And sometimes I think some of the rub is, well, you've got to have many, many conversations before you ever get to that response. You don't have to. You, yeah. you can do that sometimes in your first conversation with people. Yeah. If you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, if you have an active faith and you are following God in the moment. And yeah. he may lead you to do that. And you've got to be willing to be obedient to God in that moment. And it comes back to the perspective of and really confronting the idol of our culture or the framework of saying you do you. And if you're just like, man, I'm just I'm just gonna do me. I'm just gonna be individual. I'm just gonna be isolated. I'm just gonna kind of float through situations and circumstances and places um, and not attempt to to move others towards God, uh, we, we've got to address that and confront that. The, the church is primarily, I, I like to use the word, we're, we're missionaries. No matter where you live, no matter who you are, what your backstory, we say we want your faith to be an everyday faith because we believe you're a missionary where God has placed you. He's put you there so that you can talk about your faith with others and you can invite people in your life into an incredible journey of being united with the creator God through faith in Jesus. Yeah, I think you hit on a really important tone there. And it, it kind of comes back to some of the study is that 70% of non-Christian millennials say that they've had a one-on-one -on -one conversation about faith, uh, perspectives, and beliefs with family or a close friend in the past year. It says that 53% of them if they were to explore the Christian faith, they would rather do it in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone who's a Christian. See, it, it comes back to being like, not just investing in someone because you want to see them follow Jesus, investing in someone because they are made in the image of God, have a relationship that goes beyond, I just want to convert you. You need to take this action. And rather it's an invitation like, hey, come do this with me. Let's sit down and have conversations about this. Let's read scripture together. Let's pray together. And I like how you brought that up and you presented that because it really does kind of change the mentality of going from uh, come on Sunday and let's all be taught by one person kind of thing to no, it's an everyday thing. 
We are all missionaries. We all can witness and share who Jesus is and our everyday life where we live, work, and play through our actions, the way in which we speak, and just the way we live and interact with others. That's going to go, it's going to go further than anything we can teach um, and do on a Sunday morning. It's going to become an everyday thing. And just the random interactions you would never expect, it, those are some of the ones that catch you the most off guard. When you're just saying hi to somebody, how's your day? And you start talking and it's like, how did this turn into a spiritual conversation? Those, those are the funniest ones that it's like, God, I, I see you're at work here. And that there's just an opportunity to have an honest conversation with someone, not in a way of you need to do this, but an invitation of like, hey, you want to learn more. You want to uh, talk about Jesus. You want to um, take this next step. Like, let's have a conversation. Let's get together and talk. So just as we, I, I think this is a great place to, for us to wrap up today. And just for me to ask this question, do you want those who are not followers of Jesus in your life to follow Jesus? If you do, you will have to share your faith. You will have to call for a response and trust that God is at work in their life, even when you can't see it. Uh, I think that's a great way to say and leave it. So thanks for joining us on this midweek podcast. We want your faith to be an everyday faith. So wherever you're watching this from, uh, give us a like, share, review, subscribe and follow us. And let us know if you have questions, what you found helpful. And we're going to share a couple resources in the description that we hope will help you uh, make your faith an everyday faith. Thanks for joining us.